Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome back to the show, guys. Happy New Year. I'm so happy to be back with you and so psyched for you to get to this week's episode. I first just want to say Happy New Year. It's 2016. Finally, I feel like I've been talking about this year for so long because I knew that my book would be published in this year, 2016, in 2014. And it seemed then like this really far away, elusive year that I couldn't even comprehend. And now it's here. So I already feel excited and grateful for the year. Something about the even years, I tend to like them better. I don't know. Does anyone feel that way? I don't know. I'm just psyched for the year. And I'm also really excited for today's guest. Today's episode is really fantastic. I speak with Kelsey Miller of Refinery29 and the author of the new book, Big Girl, which everyone needs to go out and get or stay in and get on Amazon. It is fantastic. I got an early copy of it. It comes out now. It's out now. It comes out this week. And it is such an amazing story. I absolutely love Kelsey Miller and the work that she does with Refinery and her column, The Anti-Diet Project, which we get into in this episode, as well as so many other things. I know you'll love her. You probably already love her and really enjoy this episode. And tweet at us if you have any questions or thoughts about the episode. We'd love to hear them. And of course, the show notes are over on my website, thewellnesswonderland.com. And join the Facebook group if you haven't already. It's a great way to connect with listeners and talk about a lot of the things we talk about on the pod. And if you haven't already left a review on iTunes, you know I would appreciate it so much. It's the best way to support the show as well as sharing it. So if this episode was helpful to you, was fun for you, was interesting to you, and you think you know someone else who you think it might be fascinating or interesting to, send it their way. Just forward on an email and let them know about what you're listening to. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. This year is already going to be, it already is amazing and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to be giving you so much good content with the guests that I have on the show and what we will be doing with the podcast in the coming year. So stick with me, share it with friends, and I will see you, well I won't see you, actually you'll just hear me (laughs) next week. And in a second, when you hear the rest of the bulk of this episode. Welcome back, everyone. I've been so excited for this interview for a while now. 
we have the wonderful Kelsey Miller here in Wonderland, who is a fantastic journalist and writer and person, it appears, from the content of the majority of her writing is just so, all of her writing is so amazing, but the majority of her writing that I've really connected with is something called the Anti-Diet Project that she writes for and is the founder of for Refinery29, which is a publication that I love, you love, we all love, and it's an amazing ongoing series about intuitive eating, rational fitness, and body positivity. So basically everything I love and promote here in the Wellness Wonderland. So I'm so excited to learn more about her and her journey and her project today and just see kind of where it's heading and, and everything in her mind with it because it's so wonderful. So thank you so much for being here and talking to me, Kelsey. Oh my goodness. Well, what an intro. Thank you for that. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. Amazing. So um, before we get to the anti-dieting project, um, I'd love to actually zoom the lens back to you a little bit as a journalist and know, did you always want to be a writer? And could you tell us your kind of story into your career and now being a senior editor at Refinery29? Sure. Well, actually, um, I, you know, I was a big theater kid and I went to a musical theater high school and I thought I was going to do that and then you know I, I largely there was other factors but largely due to, to my body and my self-consciousness not being okay with it I, I didn't really pursue that and I decided to switch to film which was another passion of mine and um, in college I studied that and then I worked in the film industry for most of my well my postgraduate life up until I was about 26, 27 maybe. And then I realized that, you know, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do. And even though I had been fiddling around with screenplays, assuming I would become a screenwriter, you know, I, it was just not the writing for me. I wanted to do other writing, personal writing. And I started taking classes and I realized, you know, I was clicking with this, and this was something that had always worked for me, and I was getting a lot of encouragement from teachers, and I just started pitching myself like crazy to anybody I've met and to every website that I liked, and, uh, you know, I met somebody at a party who worked at Refinery29, and I aggressively, desperately pitched myself to them and sort of, um, you know, fought my way in here, and... I didn't even start as a writer here. I started as uh, our SEO editor over three years ago now. And that was something I had, you know, a, a very basic media bistro education on. <laughs> and uh, I, I did that. And while I was doing that, I was pitching stories whenever I had a second. And, you know, I, I think the lesson for me was that you're never you're never going to get there unless you advocate for yourself and you you make the time. Uh, so I really just sort of fought my way in and then fought my way to this position. And that's not to say that people didn't want me in this position because certainly when I started writing more, they recognized that that was you know the best hat for me to wear and that yeah. it was the best contribution I could make. So that's the slightly long story of how I got here. That's amazing. So was when you came to Refinery29, um, what even, you know, in your last role there, what or where you are now, um, what was it, what is it like to work there? It seems like you have um, a lot of creative freedom, but at the same time access to 
resources like great graphics and photos and ability to collaborate and interview really cool people. So um, could you kind of give us some insight on like the feel of, of working there and, and what it's like? Because I know um, myself included and so many of us really look to it as like the place to, to write and contribute because it's so awesome. Yeah, well, it is a really astonishing place. And I've, you know, done freelance work before, but I, this is the only place I've ever been a staff member as a writer. So it's hard for me to compare. But even within that scenario, it's very clear that this is a unique place in terms of how fast it grows. I mean, we were in the I was number higher number like 74 or five, I think, when I started. And now we're over 300 wow. and, you know, the expansion of the site and the constant reinvention of the site just it it draws on our creativity on a daily hourly minute basis minute by minute basis you know it's something where you you're always engaged and you're always working on something and you know i'm lucky in that i feel that it's always something i'm i'm pretty excited about you know, and there's always new people coming in and always new people to meet. And it's definitely the kind of thing where you have to be actively engaged in that way, too. You have to be out there saying, hi, I'm I'm Kelsey and this is who I am and this is what I do. And you have to make yourself a presence, you know, when you're in a big place like this. But if you do, I mean, people recognize you for your assets and for your your talent and your unique abilities. And I think that's a pretty exciting place to work, certainly. And yeah, God, the creative side, I mean, the, I, I'm constantly astounded by what they do. I, I just, my brain works in a totally different way, and I feel very lucky to have that team working with us in editorial, you know, in tandem, and we sort of support each other in, in a very proactive way, and I think that's, that's really exciting. The tech team is just like, it's, it's insane how, how, smart and ahead of the game they are yeah and I think that's really crucial for it's so the the graphics and everything is so wonderful especially for the anti-diet project like it brings so many people to the work that might not be able to see it if you know it had just been like a you know WordPress blog or something with, you know, yep. even though the content is amazing, it's really great that that platform and just the fact that so many eyes are on this platform. So you're doing this work. That's why I think, um, you know, I would read the the content that you were writing, whether it was on, you know, like a scribbled napkin, you know, but um, because it's really wonderful. But, you know, everyone isn't me and everyone might not see it if it wasn't on this um, on this great platform that has so many eyes on it so I, that's really awesome yeah and you know I gotta say it was a it was a risk and I feel very very lucky every day I still kind of can't believe that the, I was able to sort of pitch this from my iPhone from a bus one day I just had this idea and they said yeah yeah go for it absolutely and I didn't know exactly what direction it was going to go in or what it was going to look like and you know I had that that not only freedom, but that support and belief in me. So I was able to turn it into what it is today. That's that. amazing. So you kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask you how the anti-diet project came to be and, and why you wanted to start it. Could you give us a little bit more info on that? So you were you were in the you were in a bus. You got <laughs> the idea and pitched it on your iPhone, or was there like? more I bet there's more to the story than oh that. yeah I mean it all it all happened after I hit my own personal bottom uh, with my 
basically with my, my self-hatred and my self-loathing and with the dieting cycle, yeah. I think I just hit that wall that I think many people have hit and, and I hope many people, many more people will hit. Uh, but you know, when you're done, you're done. And I was done. And I realized that that uh, dieting and my relationship with my body had been my shitty relationship with my body. Oh, I'm so sorry if I'm not supposed to swear. Oh, no. Go <laughs> um, had, had been sort of an anchor in my life. And even though it was this wretched thing that kept me uncomfortable, it was something that I had always, always done. And so to quit that, I knew that I needed a new path. I couldn't just be like, all right, I'm done. And now I'm just going to wing it. You know, I'm not yeah. a, I'm not that kind of girl. <laughs> I didn't have the skill set. I didn't know how to eat like a normal person. And I just wanted to do that. And I didn't know how to, you know, look at my body and not pick it apart and want to hide under the bed. So I knew that this would be an active journey. And I decided, you know, I would want to work with an eating coach. I would want to work with somebody in the fitness field to, you know, to help me just sort of lay the groundwork for healthy habits in this way. And it just seemed like an obvious thing to to write a column about because, you know, clearly I'm not the only one who's been in this. My story isn't special. Yeah. 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 So I thought, all right, I mean, if I'm going to do it, what better way than why, why shouldn't I bring other, other people along for the ride? And, you know, frankly, that's a major support system for me as well. Yeah. It's so cathartic, isn't it? Like sharing your journey and just being vulnerable um, and in and the way you do it, you know, featuring other people. And it really helps us all not feel alone. And it's so easy, I think, especially at the beginning, like we think we're the only people who have these problems, you know, or like oh, everybody else has figured it out. You know, everyone yeah. else can just like eat their green smoothie and like everything is rainbows and butterflies and um it's just so not that simple. And, you know, that that's my story. That's why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. And writing mm-hmm. about it for me um, is so cathartic. Like, I'm, I'm the type of person that, you know, whenever – that's why I have this blog and this podcast to, to feature people who inspire me, like yourself. And um, because I'm really one of those people who, like, when I read something or I watch something or I listen to something, like, I immediately have to tell everyone about it and, like, mm-hmm. annotate it and, like, you know, take notes on it and share it. Like, I don't, I don't know why. It's just how I'm wired. And so I think, like, as you're going through this journey yourself, it's very natural to want to share it. And then now it's such a gift that you've been able to give it to so many other people. And I, I would just love to know a little bit about the response that you've gotten and, and how that's been for you from it and the kind of comments that you get from people. I mean, I share like basically everything you write. Like it's so amazing. <laughs> um, that's not even like a exaggeration at all. But like what are some other, um, have other people connected to it in that way? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for that. But also – yeah, like I said, I, I knew I wasn't alone. I knew that my story would, would resonate with so many p- other people. But, you know, until you put that out there in the world, you don't, you're not aware of the community that's around you. And what I did by this is really bring forth that community that was already there. I, you know, I, it, I had, I had permission to talk about this. It's like, 
because I knew they were out there and because of their response to my even my initial post, it was as if they had given me permission to say these things. And I think that that's a mutual thing. When I reach out or when I write about something, it almost gives other people permission to admit their feelings about these things as well. I yes. hope. And yeah. And I have gotten a lot of responses like that. People sometimes just want to email me because I have a little call at the end that says, do you want to share your story? And sometimes that just means they want to tell me about it. Sometimes they want to share it on social media or they want to pitch me their own story. But sometimes people just want, just just have that feeling like I feel with so many of my readers, which is like, I think I, I feel like I'm talking to a friend, you know, because we do have this very big vital thing in common. So even if we don't know each other, I, I have a lot of that intimate communication with readers. And mm. I will say certainly, yeah, there are people who don't get it. There are people who are not into it and that's okay too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It can't be everything to everybody. And it's really good that you put yourself out there in this way, because if you didn't, all these people wouldn't connect with you. And I, I get this exact same thing doing. So I think anytime, like, we're really, you know, and um, my friend who's, I think, a mutual friend of both of us, Isabel Fox and Duke, always says mm -hmm. this, that, like, this is really revolutionary. Like, this is really talking about body image and talking about health at every size and talking about these topics that are so important to us and just make so much sense to us. Like, I have to constantly remind myself that, like, oh, all day long, society and advertising is telling us the opposite message and telling so this can be radical for people. And I think it's just like, you know, I always have to remind myself like when people don't get it or aren't ready to get it, like everyone's on their own path and, you know, it might take them some time or, you know, they'll hear it when they need to hear it. Um, but the fact that we make it available and that we make a conversation that's different than the conversation that the media is putting out, traditional media all day long, is really, really important. And that's why I think I like so much that you are part of traditional media and there's another way to see it. And, you know, because I think the, the market is so clouded with like, you know, one specific body shape and one specific way of eating or many specific ways of healthy eating and it just completely devoids us of this more loving approach to ourselves and I'm just really grateful for the anti-diet project for that and, and so many other reasons. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. You know, it's it's certainly, I think, you know, we have a wonderful wellness editor here, Kelly Bourdais, and she came on, I think, just like a month after the Anti-Diet Project started, and we kind of grew in tandem. And now the entire wellness vertical of Refinery, like, we just, we just, we don't do weight loss. That's just not our thing. We When people pitch us on that, we don't talk about that. That's not our, in any forum. You know, that's not to say that we don't say, here's, you know, we, we don't do diets. We don't do diet coverage. It's and amazing we make a very, very strong effort to show more body diversity. And that's, that's always a battle because it's, it's not as if there are a million different kinds of looking models out there or even people who, who look like me who are regular people who want to be photographed, you know? So it, it's something that we, we really strive for and I think we'll, we'll continue to fight the good fight and I'm really grateful for that attitude here. Yeah, that's so amazing. It's so I I'm obsessed with Refinery Twenty Nine more than ever. It's so amazing, <laughs> and the fact that you're just as cool, like talking to you one on one as you seem online, like 
it's just amazing. This is like the best day ever. <laughs> oh my God, I hope so. You know, there was no coffee when I got to the office. I was like, well, this is going to be the no coffee interview. Cool. No, you <laughs> you're rocking it. You're amazing. So where do we go from here then? So you, the, how long ago was it when you first pitched the idea? It was November, or I'm sorry, October 2013. Okay, so it's been like almost three years now. So my question is like, where do you see this going? Like, what is your grand vision for it as it's like expanded and evolved since you started? Well, so when we first started, it was really just here's my journey because it's not as if there was all this content out there about intuitive eating and body positivity and all these other writers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and now I think even in the, you know, two plus years since we started, that has significantly changed. Yeah. And I, I hope, you know, that we've been an influence in a positive direction. But I think in general, this is just this is something that has become more and more an acceptable and an interesting thing to talk about, uh, particularly the in the field of body positivity. Um, and just, you know, issuing diets. Yeah, so, I think maybe, oh, sorry to no, interrupt. No, no, go ahead. I think maybe, you know, my theory about this, and, and my story is very similar to um, Jordan Younger, who you have had mm-hmm. on and you featured. But um, anyways, I think like the, the rise of the health and the health trend, the trendiness of it, I guess, um, really kind of lends itself to people like taking that as a step and then getting fed up with it and then coming to this work. So maybe it's, mm-hmm. you know, a natural progression. And I just, I think it's awesome that you've noticed that that's happening and it's amazing, but go on. I did. Just yeah, had to interject. No, not at all. So yeah, when it started, it was, it was just me shouting into a very welcoming void. Yeah. <laughs> and now I, you know, my, my journey is not over. That's, that's one thing I also want to add is that, yeah, this is a popular kind of topic right now, but it's, I have to remind myself not to get caught up in the rhetoric of the whole thing and also to really ground myself in the work because no way am I done. As you know, this is like a lot more complicated than dieting. It's never over, right? Yeah. And you've got to constantly bring yourself back to, I have to constantly bring myself back to mindfulness and to being aware of my my own thought patterns about food and body and fitness and and really actively engage with my thoughts and and the work in that way. So for me, um, you know, there's still plenty more to do. And in terms of the column, uh, we recently quote unquote relaunched it. It never ended, but what we did was we decided to to revamp it. We gave it a, a new page on the site. And, uh, instead of doing, uh, every other Monday, I'm now doing every single Monday and I have brought in, uh, some guest voices, which is pretty exciting. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I featured a story from Elna Baker last week, which I love uh, her. Wasn't, I know I'm I like obsessed her with her. I was, too. I know I was so excited to have her on. I've been such a fan of her since I was like, you know, just out of college and She's listening to her so on the cool. moth. And she really, really went there. That's like one of the most amazing things about her. She's just like, she goes there and Mm -hmm. I don't know where she finds the guts, but she found them and she brought them. Yeah. Um, And so I'm really, really excited to be able to share stories like hers, even though, you know, somebody like Elna, I think that she's a, she's a great fit for the anti-diet project, even though she's not, you know, an intuitive eating kind of person. She's, but her, her journey with body positivity is just like such a radical one and such an important one. 
to to share. Mm-hmm. So I'm really seeking out people who have who have stories that are sort of you know in keeping with the themes of the anti-diet project but go in different directions i featured one from marie southard espina yesterday who uh is colombian american and she wrote about you know constantly swinging between trying to be like the super skinny twiggy kind of body you know when she was growing up in the northeast with her like white relatives and then leaning try that one Right. And then trying to be, you know, Sylvia Vergara and never, never quite being able to make her body fit that way. She was always the wrong kind of fat. And when she was thin, she wasn't curvy enough. It's like you can't win. So she's got her own angle on this. And again, her her story is one that I was really happy to be able to share. So it's pretty great to have developed this platform and to bring new supportive voices in there. Yeah, it's it's so amazing, and it's it's really really wonderful to see it expanding and to see the the work that you're doing and including new people and new stories because I think that's something that like we all connect in this so much, but we have so many unique stories and unique angles. And even though you know I can find pieces in all of those people's stories that I connect with, like mm-hmm. my own is very different, and everybody's is very different. Um, and so, but just knowing that there's all these different angles to it really, you know, help us all feel less alone. And, you know, it's just so motivating because like I said, you know, all day long we're getting other messages who so really mm-hmm. have to kind of combat that with this. So that's, yeah. that's really amazing. Um, and the other thing, actually, I can't believe I forgot yeah. to mention this is um, I, I wrote a book and yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so that is, that is coming out in January. That's basically a, that is it's called big girl and it is my memoir essentially and it's told through the lens of all of my food history and basically all the things that brought me to this point and then covers the arc of the my first year with the anti-diet project and try and and delving back into my past and trying to work through all those demons so it's uh that's a that's something i'm very very excited to share with the world that's going to be a big moment of yeah. of expose of exposing some stuff. <laughs> Congratulations. That's that's huge. Yeah. I I have a book coming out in 2016 as well and I know oh, really? the undertaking of yeah, of putting all of that into it and then that like vulnerability of sharing so much of yourself. So that's amazing. I'm I'm so excited to read it and to promote it and have everyone here reading it. That Oh yeah, gonna we're going to have to trade. I'll send yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. We'll do a trade. Um yeah, because our I think we'll cover similar topics. Mine is very different because my book is about journaling, so it's called "Let It Out: A Journey Through Journaling," and it's um, oh god, start- I love that title. <laughs> Thank you. It starts out um, much about my story, but then it's fifty-five short journal exercises for the way that I really, you know, moved through this and, and other things as well. But um, but yeah, so I think they'll be very good complements to each other. Cool. Very exciting. So this is a good question. Like with your book and the Anti-Diet Project and everything you write online, um, what is your big goal? Like what do you hope that people take away from this? Oh, boy. Uh, I would say the first thing is that you're not alone. I think that's the most important thing to remember. It's okay to be afraid and it's okay to feel just, you know, feel, feel all this 
weight and damage and everything like that. And I, I sometimes feel burdened by my own history and, and feel like oh, I'm never going to be quote unquote better. You know, that's an old story in my head. But I remind myself of all the people who have that same old defeating story in their head. And it's just not true, you know? It's yeah. just not true. When you look at other people, you know, they don't all look like me. They're, they're women of many different sizes, and we all have the same nonsense going on. And that's just a constant reminder to me is, like, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what my, my history is, what my body looks like. We've all got this narrative. And if we all decide to try and chip away at that narrative and tell a different story to ourselves about ourselves, then, then that's when real change happens. But the most important thing to start with is just to remember that it's not you. You're not the worst one. You're not the crazy one. <laughs> you're, not, you're not damaged. You're not broken. Mm. If you are, then we all are. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. But there's a freedom there, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then I think maybe the other thing is is to just decide to to treat yourself differently. Even if you can't like I'm not like, "Oh, love your curves." End of story. You know what I mean? Like I just don't think that works sometimes. Mm. I would be great if we could all just flip the switch and and get into, you know, self-love and self-acceptance, but if you if you can't do that yet and I can't do it all the time. If that's okay, don't beat yourself up about not being perfect in that direction. Just make the decision to act as if you're, you are okay. okay. Treat yourself with self-respect, even if you can't just be so psyched about yourself. Yeah. Treat yourself as if you are somebody worthy of your respect because you are. Maybe you don't believe it, but just, just, just give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I often quote Kurt Vonnegut, but my favorite quote ever is, we are what we pretend to be, so be careful what you pretend to be. And it's really just saying, like, fake it till you make it, you know? And yeah. I think with this work, like, that's kind of what you have to do. And, you know, I recently wrote um, something about, like, an, like I obviously don't weigh myself, but I had, like, a um, kind of experience almost as if I was weighing myself because, you know, and this is experience I think many people recovering in this sort of thing have where like you try something on that used to fit and doesn't fit and that that Ooh. moment of like you know checking yourself like okay I have two options here I can like beat myself up like I used to and like change my eating habits and my whatever and go back to my old ways or I can choose a different way and I can you know and I just and that's what I did and I grounded myself on like but it was like a triggering thing and um and I think I had to like kind of fake it. I had to be like, okay, nope, all right, nope, you're doing this, intuitive eating, like, no, 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 don't be, you know, I just had to like kind of go through it. And I was like, all right, I'm good, you know, and I got out of it. But I think it's that moment where, um, you know, you'll, there'll be things that trigger you and there'll be things that like bring you back and you just have to like, it's, I think, I used to think that maybe like I wouldn't, I could have, and who knows, maybe at some point I will put that on and be like, oh, all right, cool, whatever, like, but I think, you know, we're human and especially if this work is new-ish and I think it's, you know, going to be new for me for like 10 years um, mm -hmm. because I did the other stuff for so long. Um, I think it's, you know, just checking yourself and being like, oh, it's okay that I had those thoughts. I'm not going to beat myself up about that either, but I'm going to just, you know, choose a different way. And that's yeah. really important. Yeah, absolutely. I think right now, you know, you can... It, 
when you're dieting, whatever, you define success in a very clear and precise way. And when you're doing this kind of work, you know, sometimes you have to decide what what's what's the success in this situation. To me, what you did there is is a moment of success because it's true. It's not like you know you can decide to be a body positive, intuitive eating person, yeah. and all of a sudden your thought patterns are going to change. No, that's still there. You you have to be able to to just like know that your mind's going to show up and offer and offer that trigger. God, I hate that feeling. Yeah, you put on like I get scared of certain clothes when I'm feeling body conscious, mm-hmm. and I think the decision there. Or when I, one good example is I had a photo shoot and it was in the middle when I was writing this book. And, you know, as you know, writing is not cardio and it mm-hmm. really, really was, it stymied my work here, you know, and I, I had gained weight and it, I had fallen into some like, like stress eating patterns and it's totally normal. It's totally normal. It doesn't mean that I'm like a monster and I have some big secret. So I let myself be photographed in that state. And I just looked at the pictures and I looked at them and I looked at them and I looked at them and I talked to myself as I did until it didn't seem like something horrible until I realized like this is just, this is where I'm at. This is a reflection of my life and I've got to, I've got to be willing to be okay with that person in that photo right now. I have to decide to do it that she's okay. Yeah. Mm. It's so, that's so it's funny because I recently um, I had the the cover shoot and we were making this like video trailer for for my book like mm-hmm. this was like last weekend um, two weekends ago and I started to like see myself going into old patterns and I was like just like oh but I have that thing so I'm not gonna you know eat a bunch of beans because I don't want to mm-hmm. be really just and then I was like wait no I want that like never what am I doing what am I doing this is not what this is about you know and mm-hmm. but it's just funny how you know with different things you I just kind of had to check myself and be like no you know if I'm bloated I'm bloated and like that's real that day and um and I think that's what people would want so and it wasn't about people it was about me and what I would think when I saw the photos or the video you know so it's know. just um you know, you have to just kind of check yourself on that. But it's, it, it is, it's like, of course, we're gonna like, we want to look nice. And we want to like, put our best foot forward. So I think, you know, it's part of that. And then just like, I would like, want to have my nice lipstick and brush my hair, you know, so I think it's, really? it's in a sense normal, but we have to check ourselves with like, this is a hot spot for us and, and mm-hmm. make sure we're actually doing the work. Um, because it is work. And it's something that we have to check ourselves with all the time. And I think it's important. I like that both of us kind of share that because I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to that as well. Yeah, it's kind of that walking that line between taking taking the risk. Like for you, that would have been eating the beans and being like, fuck it, I'm going to be bloated, yeah. you know, versus uh, also making yourself comfortable. Like, yeah, all right, I'm going to wear the lipstick. That makes me feel good. That's totally. Both these things are okay. It's not one or the other. Yeah, 100%. Well said. Amazing. <laughs> so you've interviewed um, some amazing people and featured some amazing people, everyone from Gabby Bernstein to Jemima Kirk and um, just so many amazing people. Do you have a, a favorite interview um, and has anyone surprised you? And then also, do you have any advice for people interviewing people and, and talking to people and even reaching out to people? That was a huge question. So take oh, your time. Sure. <laughs> well, it's really, it's, it's really hard to top 
my interview with Jemima and and her trainer. That was my favorite thing maybe you've ever written. Like I shared (laughs) that so many times that I'll post it in the show notes, but that article, I want you to talk about it, but I just have to say that I love, I'm, I love her and it was just so cool. And her trainer was so cool and you were so cool in it. Oh my God. I mean, that was the dream scenario that I don't know if I'll ever have it that good again. Now, now I approach, I go, you know, to like, I want to interview celebrities. I'm like, well, why can't I just like come to your apartment and hang out for a whole day? You know, why can't we just get together and make pasta? You know, and I recognize that not everybody is going to be up for that scenario. But Jemima and Cadence were just like so down. And how did I, that come to be? Can you talk? Well, a little I bit? had read that piece that um, a, a colleague of mine or a former colleague, uh, Janine Celeste Pang, had written for, I want to say it was T Magazine. And they had featured uh, Cadence and Jemima, you know, talking about about fitness and Jemima's, you know, how she discovered Cadence and done her work with with her. And I, it was a, it was a short piece, but it just really, it stuck out to me. And I think Janine actually sent it to me, and I was like, oh my god, introduce me! This is amazing. So you know, she did, and thankfully, Jemima is one of those people that's just like, yeah. Why don't you just let's hang out? Sure, let's do it. So cool. And I was like, hey, you know, can I? Can I? It's okay if I bring like a photographer. And she was like, yeah, you have to bring a photographer. Of course, you bring a photographer. Oh, I can hear her saying that. Yeah, and we were like, you know, texting. It was. It was. She was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I, I, I don't know. (laughs) What do you want to do? And she was like, I don't know. Why don't you just come over? We'll figure it out. So we. (laughs) It was the best. It was like the best day. And of course. It was like two days before she started shooting girls. So I can't do anything like two days before I'm about to start a big project. Yeah. And she was just like, sure. <laughs> we we went to Cadence's apartment and, you know, I just turned on the recorder and we just hung out for the afternoon and we we just got into it, you know. And it's like, you know, when you first get into this field, I get the sense that this is sort of a recent awakening for Jemima, you know, all you want to do is talk about with other people, you know, Mm -hmm. all you want to do is be like, I can't believe this exists. And so we were all three of us sitting around gabbing about it. And Cadence has been doing this work for so, so long. And her background is so fascinating. And I'm doing a lot more work with her now, actually, which I'm really excited about. She's going to be featured in the column and and on the site more. Um, She seems way cool. Oh, my God. I just started taking uh, some classes with her a few days a week. And it's just like, it's you you've everybody needs cadence oh, I want to like, go you I gotta go, go. With you. you let's do it come you're invited okay <laughs> um but yeah I mean I she was just so so willing to to go there and to to just be herself and talk about things and you know she's it's not that she's just like doesn't give a shit she she does she really cares um and she's she this is something that she's very passionate about i think as as a woman and as a mom and as somebody who shows their body on television a lot you could tell you know she she had said that this was the first season that she didn't have that sense of dread and she and also the first season where she didn't you know immediately gave 5 pounds because she was trying to lose 5 yeah. pounds you know so she was she was feeling really good and and she was also i think walking that line between being comfortable and wanting to be comfortable in how she showed herself on screen and also taking that risk. Mm-hmm. You know, as she as she talked about when in response to, to Lena, 
that's something that had influenced her. You know, Lena, it, she she sees as somebody who's very brave despite her her own insecurity about exposing her body on screen. And she, I think, really in that spirit wanted to do the same thing. And mm -hmm. I thought that was such a vital message and something that a lot of people forget about shows like Girls is that they really do commit themselves to to showing the reality of uh, of the female body and of uh, you know female sexuality in in different ways than we're used to seeing and i think not not spe sometimes specifically to make us uncomfortable and to point out that we are made uncomfortable by these yeah. things yeah yeah there's um you know lena i've heard lena discuss this a lot in interviews and she says um you know that people are always like, oh, you're so brave for sharing your body. And she's like, well, you know, I don't really think that you're going to say to Blake Lively, you're so brave for sharing your body, you know? And I think it's yeah. just um, the way that what she's doing is so helpful for so many people, myself included, like what all of them are doing and, and just showing the reality of life just makes me feel like my life here is normal which makes me feel better which sounds weird but um but it's just yeah it's it's amazing and to have the fact that you got to interview and hang out with her and um and she everything she shared was just so wise and um I agreed with and and enjoyed and that that was amazing so was that your um your favorite that that you've ever done? Do you have anyone on your bucket list that you'd really like to um, interview as well? Oh, man. I mean, it's so interesting whenever you really can talk to any woman about this topic. You know, I've, I've been wanting to talk to somebody like Mindy Kaling because I think she's got an interesting take on it. And she's also able to be, you know, to, to, to be funny about this. And sometimes it's really hard to be funny about this yeah. stuff. I mean, I I try and approach my my anti-diet posts and everything I do with with humor but sometimes things can get really weighty and almost political and that's okay and that's important it is a, it is a an issue issue but I think it's also great when you can bring humor and uh you know a sense of humor about yourself and about all this nonsense uh to to the conversation I think Mindy Kaling is somebody who does that uh really deftly and I, I would I would love to speak with her about it yeah, that would be amazing. She, um, you know, I know she talks about this in, in her book, and I know she has a new book coming out too, mm. which I wonder if she'll address it more in the in the new book. I can't wait to read it either way. But um, And she talks about how, like, dieting is her favorite hobby, and she's just not going to give it up because it's her, like, it's a fun hobby for her. And so I wonder, like, as she's grown and changed, if she's, you know, decided to maybe give it up or because I know that's something that like I I talk about and was true for me and is true for a lot of the the people I work with and talk with um where there's this moment where it's like oh I was so into controlling my food and my weight and my my exercise and so now I have to like find a new hobby you know what did I mm -hmm. like to do before that you know what did I <laughs> you know so I like bought a ukulele and now I play the ukulele and now and then I also you know talk about body image and, and other stuff too, yeah. which is like kind of maybe I replaced it for that, but um, but definitely like it takes up so much bandwidth in your mind, and you know I realized that like I could be 
saving the world and, you know, writing eight yeah. books. And, like, if I, like, devoted my self-hate and my, like, dieting to something else, like, the world is my oyster, basically. Yeah, no so. kidding. It's, I mean, it really hit home to me. That was another thing Jemima said, which is, like, she's, like, we're we're busy. We're not becoming the president. We're counting calories. Yes. You know? I, like, pulled that out and, like, wrote about that on Facebook. Yeah. I loved that line. Yeah. So true. It's amazing. Um, So what advice do you have for people, like, interviewing when they're um, talking to someone who they respect so much? And, like, were you nervous for that Jemima interview or any other interviews you've done? Yeah. uh, I I was very nervous. Um, She made me feel very comfortable very soon after just because she's so relaxed. Uh, But... In general, interviewing is something that I don't feel is my strong suit necessarily. I mean, I I write first-person pieces first and foremost, so I guess I'm just more comfortable talking about myself. So I think the most important thing is to come up with some questions that you you personally are really interested in um, because that generally, I find, elicits the best response, the most sort of passionate response, and then just let them talk more than you are talking, <laughs> uh, which is sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're conversing with somebody and you're kind of jamming on it, you kind of want to get into the conversation with them more. And sometimes I just have to remind myself to set, set, ask the big question and let them go as long as they want, you know, and really try and let this person find their way and not interject my, my own yays or this is what I think as much I mean certainly you got to steer the conversation and you you should bring in your own opinion but it's again it's a balance between have playing an active role in the conversation and letting this person really expound on what they have to say yeah I think um, (laughs) very basic basic journalistic advice is what I guess I have (laughs) no that's great and I think um you know, what you said about meeting the energy that that person is, you know, if you were interviewing someone who was really like jittery or something, you kind of like your energy changes, you know, just being around people, we kind of meet the energy. So you can kind of change the energy by you being really chill and steady. And that will kind of calm the other person down if it had been reversed and the other person was was nervous. I always think about that. Yeah, pick up on the social cues big time. Yeah, totally. Um, so what advice then do you have for aspiring writers and, and journalists? Who, well, I would say for one thing, it's never going to look the way you thought it would look. So don't, don't, you know, when you pitch your story, they're probably going to want something else. Or if you get a writing job, it's, gonna it's gonna maybe be different than you thought it would be so don't it's sort of like the movie star thing like it's very easy to idealize becoming a writer or a journalist uh, online and you have to remember when you get there that it's an enormous amount of work and uh, you have to manage your expectations in that way I would also say you know the most important thing is advocating for yourself nobody is gonna hand it to you you've really gotta go and get it and that's okay I think a lot of times people are hesitant and especially when when you're new and maybe don't have a lot of experience to say like I should write this I want to write this you know they say hi I'm you know I'm a writer do you want me to write something no you you should go and you should bring something Mm -hmm. that you're passionate about 
you know, maybe that's something that you already have a knowledge base in or something that you feel like uh, could fill a, a particular niche or a particular uh, hole in the in somebody's content and go to them and, and sell, sell yourself, you know, and don't be discouraged by not getting the response and initially. You, you've really got to go out there and, and be tenacious and, and get, get rejected and it's never, it's doesn't, it doesn't get easier to get rejected, I would say, but you have to just sort of learn that that is part of the cycle. And I would say make your, if you want to work at some place like Refinery, make yourself uh, somebody who has, give yourself the skill set for that. You know, I didn't, I didn't have the leg up that a lot of the people that work here did. I didn't, I hadn't been blogging and interning at websites for most of my 20s. I'd been working in an entirely different field. So when I wanted to make the switch, I went out there and I went to Media Bistro and Gotham Writers Workshop and I took all these classes to try and make myself more marketable and, and more of an appealing candidate. You know, I took that SEO course and then I, you know, less than a month later got this SEO job because I was able to say, yeah, I can do that. I know something about keywords and do what you got to do to get your foot in the door. And then once you do, just keep on pitching. That's amazing advice. And we can never kind of see the trajectory of our lives, like little things that you never would have thought would have, like the keyword thing was so advantageous for you because now you're able to do the work you're doing now. So you never know. And just giving yourself as many skills as possible is just great advice. It's totally possible to, to be a writer too. It really is. It, it's not some ivory tower or some, some crazy you know, uh, closed off field that you have to hack into. There are people coming every single day. And if you have a, have a voice, you know, that you want to share and you've got a skill set that you keep up that makes yourself of, you know, a more appealing candidate, then you can do it. It's totally possible. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so inspiring. I love it. I'm just like letting it soak in. <laughs> always be always be writing too oh get, keep keep in the habit of that yeah totally okay so now I'm going to ask you some of my standard questions you ready okay. for them mm-hmm. okay so what are some of your daily morning and evening routines or rituals that impact how your day goes or how you sleep Ooh, well I would say one thing I I I almost always shower at night because I really like the feeling Me of too. yeah going to bed nice nice and clean, um, and I really like getting into a made bed. I think that really helps with sleep. I didn't do that last night, and I had a just tangled sheets, hot night kind of lousy sleep, and I thought God it might have just made the difference if I had just taken 10 minutes to make my bed. Even if it's like when you get home from work and you, you're going to hang out for a while, mm-hmm. make, get into a made bed. It helps. Because you're not going to want to do it like the, when you're so tired right before. Mm-mm, no, but it makes all the difference of, of making your bed a nice place to be. And uh, I, like I said, yeah, I like to go to bed nice, nice and clean and with my face stuff on and, and everything like that. It helps me. Uh, and I, you know, I always let myself, I, I'm addicted to my phone like everybody else, but I have sort of a structured system of getting myself off the phone when it's time to get off the phone. Uh, and then, you know, I just, I just try and do that. That's the key for me is getting away from the screen, I think. I listen to audiobooks too, I will admit, when I'm, when I'm falling asleep a lot. Uh, and that's nice 
Bedtime story. I do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In the morning, one thing that I have been doing actually since starting the whole intuitive eating thing is that I don't let myself put my headphones on until I get to the subway station. I I walk to the subway station distraction free. That's sort of my mindful moment in the morning, Uh, which is not always easy because sometimes I just want to put, you know, this American life in my head or some other podcast or some music or something like that. But I really make the concerted effort to walk from my door to the subway stop to take in what's around me. Sometimes I go through phases where I, I do affirmations during that period, especially if I'm going through a difficult time uh, with work or with my personal life or something like that. And I really feel like I need to ground myself in the day and remind myself of a few things rather than before the rest of the day gets hold of my brain. You know, I remind myself, like today I was really afraid that I wasn't going to get everything done. I have a million projects on my plate today and I think that was keeping me up at night. So today I walked to the train and I just reminded myself out loud, you know, quietly because I'm in the street, but out loud, I can get everything done or I am getting everything done or I'll get it done easily just like I'm getting it done just to remind myself and then I remind myself I'm capable and confident because it's true on my good days and if I'm feeling sort of iffy in the morning it's good to remind myself that I do have that in there. I'm not a fan of the whole affirmation thing where it's like I am you know a you know a thin beautiful woman you know what right. I mean like that's not that's not mine to be like f you like that'll just not like you are an amazing beautiful woman but whenever <laughs> you have like affirmations that are just like you know everything is already done when it's not done your mind is just like no, it's not done yet, you know? Yeah, sometimes an affirmation is just like if I'm feeling really anxious or really stressed, I can remind myself like I can handle this stress. I can live through this stress. Yeah. I can live through this anxiety, which is true. For me, an affirmation is, yeah, about reminding yourself of, I guess, of your value system and what you know is true and what you might necessarily forget when that that stress monster gets you or the body shame gets you, that kind of thing. So when it's body shame, I got to remind myself that I'm okay as I am. I know that to be true, but my mind is telling a different story, so I'm going to get some other dialogue in there. That's a very big uh, game changer in my morning. Yeah, that's so funny that you mentioned affirmations while you're walking because I do that exact same thing, and I don't know if you find this, but I feel like, you know, when I'm walking and saying them out loudish and kind of in my mind too, um, I don't know, there's like putting that movement of just simple walking with like reciting the affirmations of whatever I need. Um, it just really like that is like a killer combo. Yeah. It, yeah, it gets in a rhythm, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really nice. And it's also you're, you're outside and you're, you're going somewhere. It's an, it, it turns just sort of – it makes it an active conversation with yourself, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I love that. I was, like, smiling the whole time because I relate. Um, okay, so what are you doing in your life that you're afraid of but you're doing anyways? How are you challenging yourself right now? Oh, my goodness. Well – I'm not going to lie that it's a little scary to have uh, my memoir come out. I'm I'm definitely grappling with the fear of that and I have ever since I, you know, started started writing it because you know, you know that when you're when you're writing something like this that 
there's an extreme vulnerability here. And I'm used to doing that with anti-diet, but this is, there's a lot more in this book that I have never shared with anybody. Uh, and there's also other people involved. And, and I worry about upsetting other people, angering other people, or even in just sharing, not, not necessarily even the people who are in there, but just being rejected or people thinking that I'm stupid or just like, a selfish, self-indulgent millennial who's writing her stupid memoir at 30, you know what I mean? Like, ugh. So I, I deal with a lot of that fear right now because it's coming, you know, it's coming in January and there's, it's sort of like having a baby, like there's nothing, yeah. it's going to be born, there's nothing I can do about it now. Um, and as excited and, cele as, and celebratory as I am right now, or I try to be, I sometimes can get wrapped up in that in that fear and in that fear-based thinking around around the book. So that's something that I have to talk myself through pretty much on a daily basis at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But I think when once it's out, it'll actually feel so good and be so cathartic and help so many people. And I'm just so excited to read it. <laughs> God, I really hope so. Yes, it will be. It's affirm. <laughs> Um, okay, so now I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Favorite color? Seafoam. Favorite day of the week? Today. Aw. Favorite hour of the day? Mm, 8 a.m. Nice. Favorite vegetable? Caramelized onions. <laughs> Favorite fruit? Mango. Favorite on-the-go snack? Nuts. Any kind of nuts. Oh, me too. I love nuts. Um, what are your favorite things to do when you're not writing? Mm. I like to go to the movies. Mm, me too. <laughs> I was just listening to a podcast before I am recording this podcast with you on a walk myself, and um, someone quoted Don Draper and how he says that someone asked him, like, how do you come up with all those big, great branding ideas and stuff? And he was like, I think about it a lot, and then I go to the movies. And I think that's such a good thing because it's really a creative experience if you let yourself focus on something else and come back to things. It's so true. And it's funny that you mentioned that because – I had always loved that line and it didn't re I didn't really get it until I was doing this last round of edits on my book when I was so cranky and so just dragging myself through it and and wanting to be done and I I had a, I also had a really tight deadline so I work 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 all day and then at night um I I went to the movies and I just felt like oh god I get it I get it uh, my it's like a reset a refresh on your brain it's important I think to shove something else into your brain uh, and, you know, hopefully it's good quality something, although mm -hmm. I will say I rewatched like the entirety of Friends and Grey's Anatomy while watching, while writing this damn book. But it's important to get other good things in your brain also. It, it also reminds you that like anything that'll get you out of your own world and recognize that you are, that, that there are other things. Oh my gosh. First of all, we're twins because <laughs> when I was writing my book and I was doing the, um, 
like not the development edits like before that like just submitting it for the first deadline like I it's it was such a big I had the outline but it was just such a big document that I could only do so much at a time and then after I would like finish for the day or whatever I would watch an episode of girls and then when I finished girls um because there's like not very many but there's lots of friends and then I went through friends and I watched I got them at the library and watched all the seasons too so we're twins and it was it was really helpful yes yeah. I was able to be creative and have new thought forms so it was very good it's true yeah yeah so there's a practical tip people um all right favorite meal you've eaten recently oh I made a really good pasta last night actually I'm really I'm really into wheat pasta which I always I always feel the need to explain like it's not for health reasons I just like it (laughs) (laughs) I like how it has a grainy texture so I I just was craving kind of, it was so hot and I wanted like a fresh salad and, you know, I'm not salad. I wanted like a fresh uh, summery pasta. So I blanched a few tomatoes and uh, I'm really into watercress right now for some reason. So I just sauteed an onion and uh, some garlic and a big bunch of watercress and a big bunch of spinach. And then I, I tossed it with the blanched tomatoes, which I kind of smushed up afterwards so they were like kind of a fresh raw sauce and and just throw that on the wheat pasta with a couple of soft boiled eggs oh my gosh I want to come over that sounds amazing yeah it was very simple and very delicious Mm, yeah very nice summery dish Mm -hmm. so if you could have a superhero power for a day what would it be oh flight I gotta pick flight yeah, that'd be way cool. I thought you were going to say to, to get everything done, but you're already a superhero that does <laughs> oh, that naturally. <laughs> I should change my answer. I know. Well, to get everything done, sometimes it just means the superpower of getting up at like five in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, you've got this. You've got this. That's your mantra for the Thank day. you. Thank <laughs> you. I, I need that. Thank you. So favorite movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what's really funny about this? I had recently realized that I've been answering that question with my sixth grade answer for the last, you know, 15 years, <laughs> which is uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And I do, I do love that movie, but I can't remember the last time I watched it. Um, I, you know, as a sort of film nerdy person, it's, it's, it's a little tough to pick one. I would say one of my favorites is All About Eve. Uh, I recently watched Say Anything. I showed my boyfriend Say Anything. That's one of my all-time favorites. Um, he did not agree, but he's <laughs> wrong, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, I also like I like old move like cheesy movies like a uh, Love Story is one of my favorites. Oh, you know what else I really like to watch? New York summer movie is such a perfect movie. Is Kissing Jessica Stein? Jennifer. Uh, oh, I haven't seen it. I'll oh, watch it's it today. So <laughs> it's perfect. It's like from that kind of good New York indie time in the late Yay. 90s, early oh, so aughts. Um, yeah, it's Jennifer Westfeld's movie, and it's just, it's almost a perfect movie, I would say. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm really excited to watch it now. Favorite okay. book? A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Cool. Favorite song? Uh, Sarah by Bob Dylan. Nice. If you, if let's just say, didn't it's not going to happen, knock on wood, but let's just say that this episode got deleted. What would three things that you really want people to take away from this episode and from your work be, if you had to narrow it down? Um, you're not alone. 
you are not broken and you can do it whether it's become you know self accept accepting yourself or becoming a writer it's it's all totally totally possible Mm, amazing. So as you know, Kelsey, the name of my blog and this podcast is The Wellness Wonderland. So when I offer that term to you, to live in a wellness wonderland, what does that mean to you? What comes up? Mm, wellness wonderland, the first thing that thinks of, that I think of is, you know, making decisions, I guess, about food first and foremost, based on what makes us feel good. That and only that would be the factor, you know, and... Uh, and I would say just unconditional body positivity and I would, I think, fitness, joyful fitness, enjoying our bodies, enjoying moving our bodies, doing it for the pleasure of, of, of having bodies. I think those, those are, that's the wellness wonderland. And, and you know, one in, in, in a utopia, wellness utopia, I think there would be no self-judgment or judgment of others. Mm, yes. Tall order, a, I know. That's a key, key piece. I love that. I love that answer, and I love all of your answers, and I love you. You're so amazing. Aww. Congrats on your book. Thank you so much for being here, and Ew. thank everyone for listening. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So many thank yous. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook, so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.